I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for. The sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig, presented by G2G Bars. On 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. All right, everybody, welcome on in. It's Unrivaled, 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keurig, Scott Mitchell. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Scott, you made it to Wednesday, buddy. Hey, what do you know? Congratulations. Uh, Thank you, everybody. I just want to congratulate everybody. Hopefully, you're over that hump, and hopefully, uh, you know, everything's going really well for you. Thanks for listening to the program. Hey, there is a brand new KSL Sports app that I want you to download. Find some time here because a lot of of us, uh, a lot of the listeners are showing up, and uh, they do the streaming thing more than any other any other way of getting uh, getting on the show and listening to the, all the shows on uh, on the station across the day, so it's a uh, it's a big deal. You've got to change over if you've been using any any other app. It's not going to be working out for you. So uh, I want I want folks to be doing it here. So let's let's get to this thing and uh, let's download the the uh, the new KSL Sports app and uh, we'll get it going here. Scott's looking at your. Did you download the new KSL app? Is that what you're doing right now with your phone? No, I'm just trying to get approval. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Facial, right. facial recognition. My my uh, my phone is not recognizing me. Really? As the is it actual... because of your headphones? No, I think it's the dimness of the room. Mm. There's not. It's not just dimness going on in the room that's uh, that's that's causing the issues. What are you trying to say, Alex? <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying this show. Oh, the dimness is uh, is one with us. You know, I found this interesting fact out today. What did you find out that the center of the. Um, like where NFL football players come from, yeah, is in Tennessee. Uh, what do you mean? Well, what are you talking about? So they took they took the uh, where every football player uh, where their hometown was. So they basically said that uh, uh, Tipton County, Tennessee, is the central point of where most NFL football players come from. But Tennessee's not the like, not even close to like the top five or eight like recruiting like, states. You're talking about like geographically. It's not, it's not like California right. or Texas. Geographically, you take geographically you take all the where these guys come from, and it ends up getting an average location. It basically, triangulates based on kind yeah. of where where, where, where they're from. And so it's Tennessee. So so that's kind of the yeah that's, the southeast essentially. Eventually, yeah, yeah. Or essentially. Eventually, essentially. Eventually, and essentially. Now, if you take out the six Australian players, oh, they screwed up the then average. It, then it then it moves to Arkansas. 
So jo- now, oh, Jones, Jonesboro, Arkansas. How actually. does? How, wait, wait a minute. Taking away Australia. Yeah, there's six. There's six Australians. So what it does is it pulls it. Um, I don't know why it's Australia, but it it. it well, it no, I, I would imagine. I, I would have thought that it would have pulled. That it actually not doing those guys would have actually moved it even further east. You would think, but I guess they were talking about they're yeah. going the direction of the Indian so, Ocean. So it actually side. goes down. Okay. Um, what you think, you know, down under yeah. would make it go I guess, up. More. I guess we now, don't have our geography. Now, now. here's a crazy thing for you. Mm-hmm. You ready for this? All you listeners, you sitting down for this one? Oh boy. The uh, where most well the center point of where most Canadian football players come yes. from, Bismarck, North Dakota. So it's actually in the United States. But it is far north, so that that tells now, you that there actually, is a is hotbed there, for like Canadian football talent. Is there? Is there? Do the Canadian football? Do Canadian football univers or do universities have big Canadian football teams? Um, you have to have like a certain percent. You can only have a certain percentage of non-Canadian born players on your team. Okay, so, so they they make you have it's a significant amount. I mean, I want to say it's like seventy percent of your team or something like that has to be from Canada. Yeah, I don't most know. of the players come from um, like um, British Columbia, and and that's actually right along that parallel line, you know, with the forty eighth parallel, which basically separates the United States yes. from from the Canucks. Uh, that's offensive, but it is it is so Canadian football players. So they do. Listen to this. They have a collegiate level that's called U Sports Football. It's the highest level of Canadian football under it. Uh, it it uh, it operates under U Sports, uh, formerly the Canadian Inter University Sports. So there are there are twenty seven teams that uh, play at Canadian universities, and that is that's where the majority, Could the you? vast majority of the talent comes out of the. Well, because I would assume it actually helps to know the rules of Canadian football. The the, the stuff that does change up a little bit. So there you go. I'm Could glad you, we had, we started off the show talking about Canadian well, no, football. We well, let me ask you something about yeah. speaking of Canada because you know Canada is a thing these days, right? Sure. I mean, we've determined a Voice lot of, of the things. Cougars, Greg Bell, Canadian. A lot of things come from Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball comes from Canada. Okay, that is that is that's true. garbage. Just because Not James as, Naismith, Dr. Well, James Naismith, was born in Canada, the peach basket was in. Springfield, Massachusetts. Yeah, but what if he wasn't born? We wouldn't have basketball today. There's no LeBron James, mm-hmm. no Michael Jordan. Fine. No debate over who's the greatest of all time. Um, but Canadian comedians are legit, though. Yeah. The the amount of cast of characters that have come out of uh, Canada from Saturday Night Live, amazing. Yes. So that I'll agree with. So, so um, the, the champion, the current champion, national no, champion of, so, uh, so of, of Canadian football is Laval I, Rouge. I wanted to ask you a question about hockey. Mm-hmm. So most hockey players, a lot of hockey players come from Canada, right? And what they do is they get shipped out of their homes at like a young age to go to to go on these travel teams, and they basically they basically go. No, they're schools too. Yeah, yeah. When you're schools. 15, and here's the thing that they do is they typically end up picking the players who are the oldest for their age because they're the most developed at that time. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but but when they get older, what if they're not the same? The same, what, they might be missing out on players because there's a there's a weeding out process at about that fifteen. Yeah, years. I can see that. Would you do that? Um, if you were really good at hockey and you're a fifteen year old kid, like basically would go you to basic, hockey boarding school, basically go to hockey boarding thousand school. Thousand percent. Would you really? Yeah, and I would encourage my kids to do it if they were good. I would love it. Really? Because, yeah. Think about it, man. That's like I'd rather have a life. <laughs> no, but th- there's there's something to. I mean, th- people send their kids away to boarding school for all sorts of things. Yeah, 
If we when we start doing it for football, that's when we know it's kind of crazy. I, I mean, get, look, the Real Academy, right? The Real Salt Lake Academy. That's like those are kids thing. who are playing massive amounts. Of, same thing. They do it in Europe for all the soccer teams. Yeah, you need balance in your life when you're that young. Otherwise, you start crying when you yeah, go but you to, know what? You Otherwise, you because Lionel Messi, I think, went over to the he was in the in the Barcelona system when he was like twelve. Yeah. So and and look, going okay. from Argentina to Spain, living in Spain for that good chunk of his life, yeah, turned him into a the best soccer player in the history of the game. Yeah, I just I don't, bar none. I don't think I can do right. it, Jeremy. But I will tell you this. Yeah, I know I'm not letting you start the show. Oh, what? That's um, fine. Like I do love Miracle. Like, my kids asked me last night, they go, what's your favorite movie, Dad? I think it's Miracle. Scott gets, I'll just tell everybody right now, hey, audience, Scott cries at anything, okay? Miracle Miracle is a a mix of sports, patriotism, underdog. It's got our our 80s foe, Russia. Like, it's built it, but it was reality. We put Russia as the bad guys in every movie when I was growing up. When you were growing up, every bad guy... Were the Russians? Yeah. Now, when my dad was growing up, all the bad guys were Germans. Right. See, when I grew up, all the bad guys were the Indians. So it was the Cowboys and Indians. Uh, but you can't say that these days. Yeah. Mm-mm. So all the bad people now, Commandos. The, the, oh, the, commandos. the Commanders. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Um, yeah, yeah. What do you got? Oh, let's hit the. Let's start the. Uh, let's start the show here. Oh, we actually had fine. something to talk about here besides Canadian football, but I'm glad uh, you brought it up. Well, no, I want to talk about Miracle. So really quick, Miracle, <laughs> Miracle. I watched that movie and I know what the ending's going to be, but I still I'm 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 still anxious. Like, are they get, are they still going to win this time? And there are two movies I've watched in my life that are that way: Miracle and Apollo thirteen. Like, oh, I watch like, Apollo thirteen. Yeah. Are they going to make it back? Are they going to make it? And I know the ending, but every time I watch those two movies, I still I'm not sure it's going to happen. All right. I'm glad that uh, that you went through that. You were hanging out with your kids last night doing the, uh, oh, man. the cooking class you guys do? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Legos in uh, cooking school. See? Yeah, and your, and your kids are adults. That's what I love. Is that they're totally like, we're here, man. Now, my 20-year-old, he <clears throat> basically slept on the couch for a good part of the, the night. Oh, well. He, he showed up. Probably had a long night. Let's kick off the cut here. Let's get going into uh, some uh, very, very important things here on the program. Stay with us. Let's the cut right here on the program. There, 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 there we go. The other question. Oh, Undeniable, unrivaled, top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. Like All right, the cut as usual, and our show pre- uh, presented by G2G Bars. G2GBar.com is the website where you can find it. Uh, it flies off the shelves in the refrigerated section at Costco and Associated Foods and Holiday Oil, Maverick, and many other locations now showing up. need to make more. The Smith by my house is just absolutely decked out with them. It's awesome. So give them a try. Protein bar that tastes amazing, and that thing will get you going throughout the day here. So there you go. Uh, Scott, just an update real quick. The Jazz lost uh, another game. It's their fourth in a row. Third in a row on this road trip. And I'm excited about this, uh, this Jazz team. I was a little bit concerned last night. As soon as I saw uh, Simone Fontecchio <laughs> as a starter, I went, okay. I kind of know where we're going here. But you had like a really good night out of your all-star. Lowry yep. Markkinen had 33 points, right? You have guys showing up. Uh, Ochai Abaji, decent night. Chris Dunn is still showing up. Yep. He had 11 points, 8 rebounds, and I think or 8 assists and 5 rebounds. I mean, the guy is like a – he's a ball of energy, which is what you want, yep. which is what Will Hardy wants. 
But the Jazz ended up losing to the Mavericks. Uh, Luka Doncic with 29, and I think Kyrie had, th- what, 33 or 34. Kyrie lights up the Jazz. Whenever he, It's yeah. like he has a thing. He's like, I'm Hated. as soon as the Jazz show up, I'm going to beat these guys. Well, it was a close game. They had a chance to win in the end. Yeah. Here's what I've learned. Hmm. You know what I've learned? I, ca- I came to this realization last night. The Utah Jazz are not going to make the playoffs. And they have played this season brilliantly. They have played it brilliantly. They have played it brilliantly. They've tried hard. They've found some assets in some of these players they've acquired in these trades. They're putting themselves in a really good position to, um, you know, potentially get a really high draft pick. Uh, They're going to be in the lottery somewhere. And it's a beautiful thing. And they've played it masterfully. You know why? Nobody's mad. Nobody's tuned out. People are excited. Uh, you don't get disappointed when they lose a game like this. And, Guys are and trying just, to prove themselves every night. They played it brilliantly. Yeah. They, this organization has played this season absolutely brilliant. I just, you know, I was uh, I was really encouraged by this by a game like that because it had all the things you wanted. You're all star scoring thirty plus. Uh, the game being close and you still lost. I want like that. Those are my new qual- those are my new qualifications yes. for the Jazz. <laughs> I want Lowry to, to aver, end up averaging 28 points at the end of the season. I want uh, Chris Dunn to be firing on all cylinders. I want these games to be competitive and interesting, and I still want you to lose because now the way that this goes is if this Jazz team, because they're 13th now, right, yeah. uh, which also puts from them 9 to 13 in, in one, one game. game. That just shows you how crazy the West is. And that's why you're like, if you lose two or three more – you're solidifying your play, you're kind of putting as, yourself there. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's how competitive these guys are in the yeah. in the midfield here. At, and at the, the Jazz uh, have some really tough games coming up against really good teams. Absolutely, I mean that Orlando game, which I think is the next one, right? The yeah. the Orlando game is not going to be a piece of cake, even though no. Orlando has fewer wins than they do. Twenty seven wins for Orlando. But then again, you know we're saying all this, and there's this little thing in the back of my mind that goes, "They're going to go on a four game win streak. Like <laughs> they're just gonna yeah. they're going to win the rest of these, win another when they come home." But they have a murder's row of a bunch of really, really good teams they're going right, to be matching up against. And yeah. so um, so there you go. The Jazz, uh, the Jazz didn't disappoint last night because I can't be disappointed by this team. No. So I'm watching this. The thing you would get disappointed by is if you saw somebody with a bad attitude, somebody barking back at Will Hardy, somebody looking sad on the sidelines or uh, being told to come in and they don't go in. Uh, you know, none of this stuff happens, Right. This team is busting their butt, and when you see a guy like a, like a Chris Dunn who's able to develop in a place where he probably, if the team was playoff contending, like legitimately like a 4-5 kind of team, Chris Dunn wouldn't be on this roster, I don't think. No. There wouldn't have been a 10-day contract. There wouldn't have even been a – I don't think there would even have been a first uh, 10-day contract. I think that they find guys like that and they go, you know what, this is a perfect time. We like what we see in him in the G League. Let's see what he's got. And guess what? He keeps earning his freaking keep, and that's what you want out of guys. And so yeah, I'll tell you, yeah, I wasn't disappointed last night because I cannot be disappointed by this not team. only Chris Dunn, but uh, it's been a luxury. It's like uh, Simone Fontecchio. There, it's like, dude, figure it out, get your, you know, work it out. Yes, we're not going to pull you. We're, you know, we're going to eventually start you. Uh, Talon Horton Tucker, the same thing. You know, figure it out. We're we're putting you in THC a totally had a great night. We're putting you in a totally new position, a totally new comfort zone and you're just going to get you know uh, on the job training here uh, which I think is the best training you can possibly have so the Mavs uh, you know they they're trying to make some effort and you know we're talking with Jake Scott about this yesterday and it's just 
you have two exceptionally good basketball players on your right. team. Not just all-stars, but like, I mean, Luka Doncic is probably a top three player in the world. I think we all kind of recognize that. Kyrie is as electric. As much as you might not like that guy, he is as electric as it gets when it comes to a guy who's on the floor and is able to kind of take over a game. But I don't think that they just get in each other's way. I mean, this is not well, they're, Luka's, they're, this is not Luca's style of play. Well, they're trying to figure it out. I mean, it's it's a new situation. That, you know, good for the uh, good for the Jazz putting yeah. on the effort last night. You know, now the rest of the schedule, the rest of the schedule looks like this for just the upcoming uh, road trip. They go Magic tomorrow night, Hornets, Heat, and then they come right back home after about five days off, and they play. They go Celtics, Kings, Trailblazers, Bucks at home. <laughs> like that is yeah. that is. It's like, yeah, you have a homestand, and every one of those teams is out for blood right now. They can't. Maybe not Portland. No, no, not Portland. Yeah, but I'm saying like the Celtics, the Kings, the Bucks. These guys are like they're, they're they are humming right, yeah. and they have to be. And the Kings are trying to be like everyone's going. Yeah, the Kings, that's nice, but they're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs because they never they haven't been there for a thousand years. So there's no way that they're going to do anything. But the Kings are going to show up and try to put it on the Jazz, and I'm going to be okay with it. So we gave tickets away to that game, right for uh, for the twentieth. So yeah, man, Celtics that's uh, that, that's going to be a tough stretch for this Jazz team. And then after that, it still is going to keep it's going to keep getting more difficult because they go on the road again out east uh, at one point for a little you know Celtics and Nets double dip, and then they end things with the Nuggets and the Lakers. You know, uh, two out of the last three games. So a lot of the winnable games they had on the back end of their schedule yeah. have have passed. The Spurs and OKC. I mean, those were teams that you know that was sub five hundred records that they could could have beaten. You know, I uh, tuning in last night and looking at the Western Conference uh, standings too, because I, I was I I keep watching them like something is gonna like something's gonna give here, but it's just like no team really wants to take over. The ones that have been significant, I think, for me in the West right now, that kind of going forward, you should be really nervous about if you're a Jazz fan, are. The Suns, who've made a, a, a quite a big move over just the last four four games or so, four or five games. I mean, since the, the All Star break. So why are you worried about the Suns? Because going forward, as the Jazz are trying to establish themselves here, like the Suns are going to be. You're, you're talking about the future. I'm talking about the future. Not because I've already season. moved on. The Grizzlies are going to go into a free fall because Kyrie Irving, uh, uh, sorry, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, John Morant. According to reports, is going to likely take a significant, uh, a significant chunk for a suspension. I think it was Shams today who reported that I'm it would sure. have been a a fifty game. He they're looking at possibly a fifty game suspension. Oh. Is that regular season? Well, that's the thing. No, you can't. You're not going to be playing in a game like that's 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 it, man. I mean, the the thing is, but is, is it postseason too? Like if their team goes to the playoffs, and oh, do those I, count as games? Or I don't it? think. I don't think you can play. No, season. you can't just be like, but for the playoffs, you can come back. Even no, 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 no. What I'm saying is if, say, Memphis goes, so let's say there's 15 oh, yeah, games left game, in this every season. Every game that the team would be available for, I think. And so if they get the yeah. playoffs and play two series and they play seven games, it's yeah. another 14 games, or do, do they just don't count? It's all taking, so taking t- time away from the team is one thing. When the NBA is going to find out that at the end that he did, in fact, have – that firearm with him on the plane. I guess they'd probably try to, they'll probably try to spin it and go, no, it was a friend's gun who was at the club, you know, or something like that. Or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what, uh, but they can try to probably spin this thing, uh, 
but the rumors that are out there, and it's not, it's nothing's been solidified because I think they're investigating the crud out of this thing, um, is trying to be that this this could be a, a fifty game suspension. These the rumors that that are kind of floating around it, it's not solidified because they're going to have to go through this full review, and they don't know if there's going to be those fifty games, and because the real problem is going forward. How does he handle this going forward? How does this look for him? And in five years, is he going to be an elite player or is he just going to be somebody who we look and go, that's one of the biggest wastes of talent we've ever seen, right? You and I were talking about Josh Gordon uh, before we came in, which is a different subject. You know, the former wide, the former, you know, all pro wide receiver who has had substance issues that have been absolutely sad. Right. And ultimately they're his decisions and they're things that end up being his his problem, and it has absolutely killed a career where he could have been a multi-year All-Pro, which puts you in that category of being a Hall of Famer. And instead, he's playing in the XFL on the weekends, trying to earn his way back into the into the league because he's had so many strikes against him that it's just impossible. So, typically, a guy, what road is John Morant well, going to go down? Right. So, typically, a guy like um, that comes back is someone who does a dumb thing, right? And this sounds like it's more in the vein of a dumb thing. You think of uh, Ray Lewis, you know, or some of these other players that have done stupid things, and they they tend to – it's it tends to be a wake-up call. It tends to be – and the wake-up call is, all right, the folks you're surrounding yourself with, just get rid of them. And it's amazing when you start surrounding yourself with the right kind of people how things improve and change in your life. Now, if you're someone who has a substance abuse problem – that might continue to fall. That that might be a, an unbreakable opportunity. Super I mean, I, I just hate to say that, but you just that that just becomes the controlling force of your life, and it just and it's so hard to break, and it's so difficult, especially in the world in in professional sports when it's so easy to put yourself in harm's way of or, or in temptation's way of that situation. It's just it's almost impossible for these guys who get caught up in the substance abuse issue. So John Morant, unbelievable. It's just incredible to watch. But hopefully you go, this is just an incident and change the people you're around. You know, you might have a chance, and, and hopefully that's all it is. Here's the actual rule according to the collective bargaining agreement between uh, the Players Association and the NBA. Whenever a player is physically present at a facility or a – so firearms or other weapons, right – whether a player is at a physically present at a facility or a venue owned, operated, or being used by a team, the NBA or any league-related entity, whenever a player is traveling, NBA-related business of any kind, whether it's on behalf of the team, the NBA, or any league-related entity, such a, such player shall not possess a firearm of any kind at any time or any other deadly weapon for purposes of foregoing the a facility or venue. That includes but is not limited to arenas, practice facilities, team or league offices, all-star NBA playoff venues, uh, the site of promotional or charitable appearances, and any travel, uh, any any travel destination that you might be going to, any hotel, anything, and also on top of it, the plane, obviously, any violation of this section. So here it is: uh, the NBA Constitution bylaws shall there be subject to discipline by the NBA accordance with such article, which according to that article is a possibility of a fifty-game suspension. Now. Can the NBA – is it in the NBA's interest to kind of not turn a blind eye because they don't – they haven't before. You know, think of Gilbert Arenas and, and his issue, right? 
and a firearm, being on the, on the premises and brandishing the firearm and making threats, et cetera. He, he missed a full year, I think. I think he suspended a full year. You're not gonna, they're not going to turn a blind eye No, to and I don't gun. think it is. But I think that if they have a way for them to go, yeah, we can't technically say that that firearm was with him on the airplane, was with him in the locker room, was with him anywhere else. And we start to find out. But here's the real problem. Taylor Jenkins, the head coach of the of the Memphis Grizzlies, that poor freaking guy. Like, he is such a good coach, and they're trying their darndest to figure this thing out. They had a team meeting that really centered around John Morant, according to reports, that Steven Adams brought everybody together, players-only meeting, and they're like, we have to button down here because we can't have outside uh, distractions. And the very next morning is when John Morant made that uh, that IG Live video of himself on there. Now somebody was talking about too in Colorado how if you're if you're drunk and you and you have a firearm that's a that's a big no no too. You're not going to be able to prove from a video that he was drunk. Okay, that's just not going to fly in the court in, in a court law. And they're going to go look at him. He's definitely drunk. Uh, he was making a dumb decision, but you're not going to be able to prove it. Uh, I don't think in that in that sense. But the legal consequences could be there. And then there's the league stuff, which doesn't really care about the legal the legal side. They go straight to we've done our own investigation and we're going to hit you with 50 games, and that could be still a possibility. At the very least, he's going to miss probably the rest of the regular season. Uh, and I hope they don't just try to get him back for the playoffs either. If this is the case that he had a gun, uh, you know, traveling with him, it's insane. It's wild. All right, Whew, got it all off my chest here. Hey, we have a uh, break to take here, Scott. Is that, is that okay? Let's do it. Uh, let's come back. When we return, we have so many other things to uh, chat about, including but not limited to. Uh, I have the menu at the Big 12 Conference uh, basketball tournament in Kansas City. It is a Big 12-specific menu, and I can't wait to roll it out. And I also can't wait for your thoughts as to what BYU should bring to the table because obviously Oklahoma and Texas brought some stuff to the menu this Does year. Does everyone bring something? Every to the team menu? has a, every team has a, a menu, a menu item? item. Oh, that would be fun. Let's go over it. <laughs> we know what BYU can bring. <laughs> some teams really freaking got it wrong, by the way. BYU is going to bring Diet Coke Zero. <laughs> Diet no caffeine Co- free. Caffeine no, you free. Guys are, Diet you, Coke Zero. You guys are just hating on BYU. They haven't had they haven't had non caffeinated drinks. You've been able to have caffeine at a BYU facility for a while now. Okay, so settle down. All right. We'll come back. Uh, More to go around the corner. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. With the access and insight on the teams you're passionate about. I love it, baby. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
Hey, it's Unrivaled right here on 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. Alex Curie, Scott Mitchell. I got some breaking news here, Scott. Uh-oh. Jim Beheim. Oh, yeah. No longer the coach that. at Syracuse. There for 47 years. 47 years at the helm at Syracuse, and it was announced uh, on Wednesday after their loss to uh, Wake Forest last night. It was announced today just uh, less than 45 minutes ago that he is out at Syracuse. Now, he talked about retiring. He said ultimately it was going to be up to the school for them to decide. Uh, the, the, here's the captain obvious sta- statement of the day. And Jim Beheim has had a mix of controversy and uh, certainly being at the forefront. I mean, the guy's name is synonymous with all the great coaches, right? I mean, he has definitely brought that program. I mean, it is what it is. This program is Jim Beheim, right? Yep. The chancellor of the university in a statement said this. There's no doubt in my mind that without Jim Beheim, Syracuse basketball wouldn't be the program that it is today. Are you think? After a half a century of running the whole thing, it wouldn't be what it is today? Of course it wouldn't. Come on, man. 47 years. Uh, Beheim hinted that he could be retiring and uh, after the loss last night, and it was. He said, I said from day one, working here, the university hired me, uh, and it's their choice what they want to do. I've always had the choice of retirement, but it's their decision whether or not I coach, and it always has been. I've just been lucky to be able to coach this long. So uh, hinting at basically being the school's decision, right, that he's going to be out. Uh, he made so many comments too this year about like, Hey, there's a reason that my, uh, there's a reason that my, my cohorts, my peers in coaching are now out because it's difficult right now in this world to be able to have the fight in you, to be able to get the NIL deals going. He accused, uh, Oh, any number of teams in the ACC of uh, of buying off of buying players essentially and buying titles blah 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 and uh, and those schools have had to fire back too right and so yeah it's a it's an interesting interesting go here with uh, with Jim Beheim stepping out because whatever you want to say about him I've never seen I, Syracuse is one of those teams got growing up that I was like man that's they're always good loved watching Syracuse uh, they were great the the thing you you see a guy like Jim Beheim I mean. It he's feels tired, like man. I'm just shocked that he's been there for 47 years because he doesn't seem like he's he's been there that long. But I, I guess he has, and it's it's been remarkable. So say what you want. I, I think he's been a great coach and great for for basketball and college basketball and awesome. So Beheim ends his career with a thousand fifteen wins. <clears throat> he he uh, surpassed that thousand win mark this year, and. Uh, 1,015 wins and 441 losses. And if he would have been, if he would have had, so he had 101 wins vacated because of uh, rules violations that were that uh, kind of had sanctions on it. And so he would have had 100 and, 101 more victories, you know, on top of that. But he's uh, second behind Mike Krzyzewski yeah. with wins. And so there you go. So Beheim's going to walk away the second most winningest coach in the history of basketball. And uh, there you go. Jim Beheim out at Syracuse after 47 seasons. And I hope he, I hope, you know, that he's not going to carry some sort of grumpiness to it. You know, you hope there's not like a situation where he's like, well, they, they are the ones who forced me out. You know, that's the last way you want to go out as a, as a guy who's one of the most historic coaches of all time. So there you go. 
Uh, Scott, I told you that the menu at the Big 12 Basketball Conference uh, tournament that's rolling out this week, I, I was like, this is this is where it's at, man. This is what you've got to do. Team-themed menus at your conference tournaments, okay? I love this idea. So before we even get going with the schools, what these Big 12 schools are doing this year, what would the University of Utah's signature dish be? So let me give you some examples. Let me I'll roll these out, and then you can – Give me the Utah one. So, so think on it. Baylor. Baylor is doing a vanilla ice cream and Dr. Pepper float. It's called the Baylor float. It's going to feature a bluebell ice cream and Dr. Pepper. That's amazing. And that fits exactly with uh, Central Texas, right? And especially with Waco. Yeah. Iowa State, the Cyclone Tenderloin. Kaiser bun, breaded pork tenderloin, sliced onions, sweet spicy pickles. The Jayhawks mac and cheese. You, this seems right for Kansas. Just like pretty bland. Like they're the best, they're probably one of the best teams in the conference, obviously. But in terms of food items, you don't think of Kansas. Kansas, I think, and Utah would be very comparable because people would think, oh, the casserole states, the hot dish states. No. Oh, for sure. No, no, no. Are you kidding? No. Okay. Uh, pasta, By creamy the way, white why cheese is sauce. Utah picking a, a menu item in the Big 12? No, I was just saying if there were a menu. I'm not saying for the Big 12. I'm just saying if there were a menu that would be Utah. Oh, well, that's easy. That they would need to put on the Big 12 menu. Crown burger. <laughs> oh, that, they would just show up with a crown burger? Yeah. Just a, just a But it would have to be uh, called a like burger a burger with a. It'd have to be called like the, the, uh, the Ute burger, right? Yeah. But the pastrami oh, on no, top no, of the no 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 what? no what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. oh you you spoke too soon what do you have what do you have uh, pizza from the pie that's that's a University of Utah institution but yes. Utah is not Utah is because Utah's not a pizza state dude no it's the university it's it's tied to the university yeah Utah's okay. a well, hang on okay I grew up in a town like not very many people okay? <laughs> you grew up in a town the town has two things. A whole lot of pizza places yep. and a whole lot of Mexican food. <laughs> That's what so Springville's known for. May, I think every town in the state of Utah is known for that. So just mix and so delicious. So you mix in. <laughs> no, you, that's what, yeah, that's you have right. So, so delicious, right. And yeah. you have you have that's a Mexican-style pizza, and then you top it off with a crumble cookie at the <laughs> end. The pie doesn't do a Mexican-style pizza. You can't mix every food that you just like out of the state of Utah, just throw it in there. Yeah, you do enchilada <laughs> p- pie pizza. And a crumble cookie. You wash like, it down with so delicious, <laughs> dirty Dr. Pepper. I don't know what you Dirty call. Diet Coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it would have to be a Diet You've Coke. You've offended with so some... many people with that. Good. I've, I don't care. Your pie pizza with Mexican pizza and enchiladas and uh, a crown burger. You just start throwing out all the food. I would like all those things. Okay, I can get with that. <laughs> you can, yeah. Uh, Kansas State, the Wabash Cannon Dog. Bacon wrapped jumbo hot dog topped with uh, wildcat purple relish. See, when you, I'd be thrown here, off by the, the thing. purple relish. I you, think. You, you keep naming these off, and they're so like it's all these different things. I, I get lost. There's too many. It's too. It's too messy. It's too complicated. Well, it's, it it's doesn't like get any better with this one. I know. It's like they're trying to Kay. like make it amazing by putting a bunch of junk on it. Okay, Oklahoma, the Stormin from Norman, Oklahoma taco. We would t- we would call it a Navajo taco, right? Flatbread yeah. topped with ground beef, shredded lettuce, tomato, beans, onions, fry and bread. chili. The fry bread, sorry. Don't you think they would uh, – I I feel like that's a – like Oklahomans are going, okay, fine, whatever. That doesn't – I guess that doesn't really represent us, but fine. Uh, Pistol so Pete's – They actually do this. 
Yeah, they're doing it at the tournament this so weekend. So this is what people are actually. These are what you can get. You go to your school. You go, I want the, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, yours is fried corn. Elote-style bacon-fried corn topped with crushed Doritos. That actually sounds amazing. So the elote is the street corn, the Mexican street corn that they put the mayonnaise on with the spices and stuff. So this is available for people who have premium seats. Is that all it is? Yeah, it's it's 200 ticket holders that sit oh, courtside. Oh, boo. Make it yeah. for everybody. Now, this one I thought was a slight at uh, Texas. If there's all the things that you have that could offend Texas on the way out of the Big 12, it's giving them this. Because what do you think? I would have thought the Longhorns would have gotten the brisket, right? You don't have brisket on the freaking Big 12 menu. Your entire the big the most important state in your conference, Texas, does one thing that everybody should know about, and it's freaking smoked brisket. Okay, and I'm saying that as a kid born in in Austin, and they gave him the Longhorn quesadilla. Quesadilla. How dare you? Quesadilla from. Uh... The armadillo steak. Your choice of asada, asada steak and chicken uh, with a triple cheese quesadilla and burnt orange salsa. Woo! <laughs> that, that is an insult. That's a middle finger to Texas right there. Uh, Texas Tech, the masked rider burger. Beef patty, cheddar, fried onion rings, sweet pickled jalapenos. They didn't try very hard on that. They should have the quesadilla. They throw tortillas. They're the ones who... Jeremy? I, I'm surprised you didn't. I'm surprised you didn't apply for the... For the, well, uh, who, who submitted this? Was it, as far as you know, <laughs> did the did the school submit these? Or I'm sure someone... the I'm sure the stadium rolled it out, and they're just doing so it. So it's things they have in their stadium. Yeah, you know, the schools would be like, yeah, do so, I don't know. We're kind of known for brisket. Perfect. We'll give you a quesadilla. Uh, West Virginia, the Mountaineer roll is a sliced pepperoni and mozzarella cheese See, in a soft pizza. roll. So you could have pizza from. But that's like a that's like a. What is it? A kolache? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, sort of. i never heard of a kolache. Oh, again. Scott, not Central Texas. Texas. Yeah, it's a Texas thing. No, there's one. There's a place here in Sugar House called... Uh, well, what would the team... Horuchas well, Kolaches. So if you so were if good. you were the UCF... Um, the Knights? Knights. Yeah. What would you have? Something. I don't know. Uh, just like a... Um, yeah, one of those... No. Ice cream, Mickey Mouse here, ice no, cream? No, I got it. If it's Disney World, we're talking about the smoked oh, turkey leg. Smoked turkey About a thousand percent. Yeah. With, yeah. uh, I don't know, with night sauce. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, Cincinnati? Cincinnati. You got to do the Skyline Chili Skyline probably. Skyline Chili. Which is stupid, but whatever. Yeah. Um, BYU? Now, BYU is an interesting one. Can you do dessert? Yeah, because that's what, I think Just that's what they do. some ice cream from the creamery. Call but you good. do it, but you but here's what you do. You cut a, a cougar tail down the middle and you do ice cream scoops in it. Like a, like a split. Like a cougar tail Cougar tail split. split. Yeah. You're freaking right, man. Yeah. Put a little banana in there. I love banana with some ice cream. My kids hate it, but and I'm all eat it with some bananas. All right, there you go. Those are all the ones. What would Utah be though? Oh, we already figured it I out. I told you what it the was. The most mishmashed, weird menu I've ever heard. No, of. pizza from the pie. Okay, done. All right. I mean, there's only 200 people. It's not like you're feeding the 5,000. You know. Yeah. Am I a terrible person by telling you that the pie is not the best pizza? Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Hold on, are they are they currently okay, you, uh, are they currently advertising? You're worried about people like crucifying <laughs> you from uh, you know saying things like Utah would be the top team. Oh yeah, and you're now saying the pie. I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, the pie is not New the best club pizza. coming your way. Yeah. The pie is not the best. No, don't make that into a problem. We'll, Clearly, you're not a we'll Utah homer. Not at all. Well, pff, I was accused of it last week. Uh, not now. You just got kicked off your throne. All right, fine. I'll take that. Go take your cougar There's tail. Better, there are better pizzas out take there. Take your two cougar tail between your legs. And everybody who's being honest, who's listening, they freaking know it. 
They freaking know it. No, There's what? nostalgia with it. They know that it's not the best pizza. What is the best? No. The pie is amazing. Whatever. All right. Well, uh, we'll okay, come if back. they brought pie pizza in here yeah, we, on a Friday, would you eat it? Scott, if they brought Little Caesars in, I'd eat it. Yeah, I've eaten I've eaten the pie a million no, times. I'm you, not going to kick it out have, of bed. you got to have standards. Get out of here. All right, let's, uh, let's take the old break here. Uh, when we come back. Oh, what do we have on the corner? A little. Uh, what are the odds on a uh, on a Wednesday? Let's do it. We got some jazz related. Uh, what are the odds around the corner? Stay with us. Ninety seven five VKSL Sports Zone. What are the odds? Okay, sir. The bet is to you. All in, baby. You'll know exactly. Um, more or less. What's going to happen? This is ninety seven five VKSL Sports Zone. Look, uh, my tastes are my tastes. I'm sorry. Congratulations. Yeah, they are. I'm not going to apologize because I don't I love don't the to, pie as much as you, you do. Apologize. Can I give someone a shout-out? Do you Abs- mind? Absolutely. Because this, this person really needs a shout-out. So sorry, this, we're out of time. We're out of time. No, Al Curtis. So Al Curtis, anyone that's from Springville or in that South Utah <laughs> County area knows he's been an institution in Springville forever, and uh, he was uh, one of – um, he he, he kind of started the recreation program in Springville in like the 70s, the early 70s. And so all the sports programs for the youth growing up, he was a big part of all of that for decades, for years. Yeah. So many people have been imp- impacted. But you talk about the people in your community. You know, it takes a village. He was one of those people that he has uh, touched so many lives and just had an, an impact. He certainly had an impact on my life. Growing up, he actually coached with me when I was coaching high school football. He's been, he's he really is an institution. He was recognized by the city of Springville last night, and I believe they're going to name a park after him or some kind of thing. But he definitely deserves it. Just an incredible human being, one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. And it's so neat to see the recognition that he got last night. And Al just, Curtis. Al Curtis. Congrats. Nice job. Um, and he's still with us. He's not probably listening to our show. Hey, right there now. you go. That's good. Well, uh, Al, congratulations. When people make those kinds of uh, contributions to the community, like that's that's important. It's just been his life, you know. And yeah, he, when people just, when people dedicate something bigger than yeah. themselves, you know, to 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 the cause, that's awesome. So there you go. And you think about how much your kids have participated in those local sports and all that stuff. And just, I did. I mean, and you did. You know, Amazing. growing up, it was you know summer baseball. So Al Curtis just, can go. You know, I when I was helping develop Scott Mitchell as an NFL quarterback, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. All probably day. probably said that a time or there two. you go you deserved it let's uh get to uh what are the odds it goes like this i give you a scenario scott you give me a zero to 100 percent chance that thing will or will not happen jazz right now zero and three on this uh, road trip they got three more games left there yep they're uh four games in a row they've lost three here on the road they have three more on the road what are the odds they lose all six games on this road trip Oh, man. Um, at the rate they're going, it's not looking great. And they've just had all these, you know, new different lineup changes and player, a lot of players have been out a lot. Uh, and they can't have players out if they're going to have a chance to win. Uh, they, they're winnable games at Charlotte and Orlando. So they could no, just got to win one of those two. I think they could. I think it's a 50% chance. That, that they lose all of them? No. Let's go with that they win all of them then. I mean that they oh, no. that they the at least, least win one, I mean. They at least win one? Yes. Oh, that's a that's a Mike Singletary fifty percent. Okay. I set you up for it and you didn't do it. I'm gonna give it a 
Mark Eaton, 53% chance oh. that they win one of Well, these. it's not game day today, so. Oh. <laughs> he only gets game day recognition. Uh, 53% Mark I Eaton. I like that, though. That's probably yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it just above those halfsies odds. Yeah. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are, uh, they're just, they're really, they're seven and a half games in a West that is replete with a bunch of teams who don't want to, like, make a move and, and, and get up there in the standings. They have the second best record in the NBA. They have the likely MVP in uh, Nikola Jokic again, a, what would be a third year in a row. What are the odds that they actually win the title, though? Or my, is I, Mike know, Malone's team built for this? It's possible that it just kind of might be their year. You know, they're kind of that team that you, know, you think of Phoenix a couple of years ago and, you know, Golden State. Um, there's a good shot that they'll be in the finals. Whether they'll win it or not, it remains to be seen. But uh, um, what are the odds they win the title? Um, I'll give it a um I'll give it a thirty-four percent chance. Who do we want to we'll go with Walter Payton. Okay. Sweetness. I'm gonna go with uh, even lower. I'm gonna go with a what number is Jokic? Is he twenty something? I'm like I'm like blanking on it because all I'm thinking of is Lowry Marketing. I'm gonna give it a Lowry Marketing twenty three percent chance. Uh Gosh, I, oh, he's number 15. I won't go that low. I'll go Larry Markkinen, 23%. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for. The sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Presented by G2G Bars. On 97.5 B KSL Sports Zone. So, so, so. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is Unrivaled, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery, former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to my right, and we are plowing along here on another show. Thanks for being with us on a Wednesday. We're just going to jump right in here, and we're going to put the food talk behind us, Scott. All right? All the, all the food talk and all the disagreements we have that are based on food, we're better than that. Okay? It's just based on pizza. <laughs> Let's jump in here. We're going to have a little bit more of a discussion here on uh, now that it, now that there's been a bow put on the NFL uh, combine. Now we look toward the draft and what could come of it. We're going to start the show off here with our guest from CBS Sports, Josh Edwards. That's where we're going to kick things off at the cut. Let's do it. The other question, undeniable, unrivaled, top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. Like it. All right, the cut presented by G2G Bars. All natural ingredients, no preservatives, plenty of protein. G2G Bars, you've heard us talking about them for a long time. Give it a shot yourself. Perfect for anybody who needs that quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. And also, Spherion.com slash Utah. Spherion helps you get the job hunt done with. It also helps you find that great hire as well. Spherion.com slash Utah. Spherion staffing and recruiting. Josh Edwards joins us, CBS Sports uh, NFL draft expert. Josh, thanks for being with us, man. What's up? Oh, nothing much. How about yourself? Oh, we're just doing a little radio show here. No problem. <laughs> we uh, we have a lot of guys here locally that we are of uh, that we have are of massive interest for us when it comes to everything. First, with the NFL Combine this year, is there like a is there an overall feeling from year to year like, oh man, this was an insane combine, or ah, this year's not a great combine? Uh, does that ever happen, or is it across the board like we have such insane athletes who are participating in this thing now that it would be hard to think that it was such a bust? But does the combine get 
really, really good one year and not great another year? Uh, yes and no. I think it fluctuates, you know, based on the talent that is available specifically at each individual position. Last year we saw Jordan Davis and Trevon Walker put up these freakish numbers out of Georgia and what Anthony Richardson did this year. Yeah, so I think there's always those storylines that you can kind of latch on to coming out of the combine, but really it's just reflective of the draft class as a whole. So at the top of the class, I think there's some really elite talents. And then once you get past that first seven, eight, you know, ten, however many players it is, you've got this next group that's kind of jumbled together. Somebody that's number 15 on one team's board could be number 50 on another team's board. So I think there's a lot of volatility uh, across the board, and we kind of saw that from the combine this past week with some of these perceived top prospects kind of testing lower than what we expected. I, you know, I'm curious. I, I haven't really asked anyone this, but I'm curious what you think about this. What's the best th- evaluator of talent? Is it the combine? Is it watching film? Is it the senior bowl uh, pro days? What is the best way for, for someone to assess and evaluate uh, the talent that's in any, in any draft? Yeah, I think your basis has to be the film. Um, You know, what they do on a weekly basis, how they rise to certain occasions, you know, whether that means you're an FCS player rising and playing the Power 5 player. Uh, Maybe you got hurt one week and you're gritting through a performance. Um, You know, there's a lot of different things that we can take from the film. But overall, I think once you get a a solid foundation of watching these players, uh, you know, at least three to five games, you kind of get a feel for, their general athleticism, what they do well, what their weaknesses are on the football field. And then you kind of have to dissect those weaknesses and determine what's correctable and what's not. So, I mean, these these teams go through everything, as I'm sure you know. They go into depth on, um, you know, their background, their, you know, family tree, all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of information that goes into it, but it really boils down to how well did they play on the football field. So when you when you see guys, and I, I bet there are some positions that you go, what are they even freaking doing this for? You know, I was thinking about, um, you know, the USC offensive lineman who tears his ACL. We saw a couple of guys pull up with hamstrings, stuff like that. At, at what point do you go, you know what, we might not be necessarily doing this position group a favor if we keep making them do these things like the 40-yard dash for a guy who's 340 pounds, unless it's super impressive. Uh, I don't know what the point really is to have those guys go through it. So what are the things that you're, you're going, look, this doesn't matter that we see this because it obviously is awful when a guy tears an ACL or, or gets hurt at a combine where they could be making millions of dollars uh, in the next year. Yeah, no question. I think there is you know, a, certain, a certain amount of marketability to it. Uh, the 40-yard dash is you know, kind of irrelevant at this point for the most part. But it's there because a lot of people want to watch that. That's kind of one of the, you know, drills, events that kind of draws the national attention. But you're right. I mean, how much does it actually help you evaluate certain positions? It doesn't really help you evaluate the offensive linemen. The 10-yard split is more important than what they run in 40 yards because they rarely do that. Um, You rarely see a player run 40 yards in a straight line. I mean, how many position groups allow you to do that? Wide receiver – um, is probably maybe the only one that really asks you to run 40 yards downfield at one point in time. So, yeah, there's definitely some things that are antiquated about it. There is a competition committee that kind of goes through it, um, you know, and tries to look at the current state of the NFL game 
the type of stuff that is more applicable to um, what we see on a weekly basis in the NFL. And they try to translate that to the combine. But there are certainly some of those antiquated drills, like you touched on, um, that are just kind of there for people to watch and be entertained by. Uh, we don't, you know, all of these guys get down in a track stance. How many players line up in a track stance on the football field, you know? So there's, there's definitely some, some wackiness to it, but it's, you know, it's pure entertainment value in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of drills that NFL teams look at and, and, you know, are able to take certain things from. So when when I played for the Miami Dolphins, we would have this, uh, we called it the mini Olympics at the very beginning of training camp. And we did the 12 minute run was one of, and, and then we did all the combine drills, you know, forties and all that stuff. And there was a guy that ran eight laps, which was a, an all time record. I mean, <laughs> most players, cause it's around two football fields. It's, you know, it's not like running around a track. This guy runs eight laps in 12 minutes and, and they cut him like the next day. And it was like, so oh it, it doesn't even mean, it doesn't even mean anything. <laughs> so how do you, how do you evaluate a guy like Anthony Richardson, who really, I thought had a, an impressive combine, but you know, had you, you go back to the film, you go, yeah, there's not a great body of work there. And, and the body of work that is there is a little bit shaky, but he, you know, really <laughs> passes an eyeball test when you see him at the combine. No question. You kind of have to go back to the earlier question that you posed, which is, you know, what's the most important part of the scouting phase? Uh, and that's the film. Um, you know, he may test out of the, he may jump out of the gym. He may run faster than any quarterback that we've seen at his size. How much of that is going to translate to the NFL game if you're unable to process what you're seeing in front of you? If you don't know how to read defenses, if you, you know, take four seconds to read a defense, whereas pressure is barreling down on you in under three, um, you know, how much of that athleticism that we saw in Indianapolis, how much is that going to translate to the next level? Uh, there's going to be elements where people say, you know, allow him to use his athleticism, um, scheme around him so that he's got these opportunities to make plays out of space and, you know, simplify the scheme for him until he kind of develops as a passer. But there's no guarantee that he's going to develop as a passer either. So I understand the team saying, hey, this guy has tremendous athleticism. If we're able to maximize his potential, we could have really something really special here. But at the end of the day, the most important thing about the quarterback position is being able to distribute the football and being able to distribute, distribute the football accurately. Uh, and that's something that we have not seen from Anthony Richardson consistently. So he could certainly get there, and maybe his athleticism allows him some extra time to get to that point. But I have, like most people, um, several reasons for concern that he may never reach that point because the NFL does not allow you a lot of time to develop. Uh, we were chatting about our locals here, of course, who uh, have made an impact or maybe didn't make it as big of an impact as they wanted to at the at the uh, Combine. And and I know a lot of stuff is is com- uh, you know the combine and the senior bowl and the pro days that Scott was talking about a lot of these guys are going to be doing a little bit later, but it's all kind of rolled into one. They want to see all of them. They know that the home the uh, home cook kind of situation with the pro days at their own schools might be you know taken with a grain of salt. Combine numbers aren't everything they're cracked up to be. The senior bowl stuff's awesome, and so you get a look at some of these. But you kind of have to ball it all together. So out of the local guys here. Uh, let's talk first about uh, Jaron Hall, who goes in to this draft, a very efficient quarterback in college. He's uh, you know shorter than some uh, than a lot of quarterbacks, but certainly not the shortest at the combine. 
where did he go with this weekend and the Senior Bowl and everything? And kind of where do you think he's going to end up in the draft? Uh, will he end up getting drafted? Yeah, I think he had a solid performance. It was just kind of difficult to notice any of these quarterbacks with, with all the hype that was surrounding the big three that were throwing. Um, you know, but he he didn't do any of the testing, so you kind of look at the raw statistics, kind of below average arm length, um, you know, average hand size, stuff like that. But I think what you've seen over the course of his career is just a really gritty leader that is capable of willing his team to victory. Um, we've seen him, you know, really grind out some yardage on the ground, uh, just a really effective, productive player at the college level. So I think he is somebody that translates to the next level. I think there's going to be a role for him in the NFL. Um, but, man, it was really difficult to uh, to pick out those quarterbacks outside of the big three uh, with all the buzz that was surrounding him. Um, you know, position emphasis changes over time. Tight ends are a big deal now more so than maybe they were in the past. But if you're, if you're building a, an NFL team, and you're doing it through the draft outside of quarterback. What what's the number one position that you you've got to start with? You get you have to have that foundational player to really build a, a successful team. Yeah, I'm a believer in the offensive line, so I think it starts with offensive tackle. Um, I mean, depending on who you ask at the NFL level, some may say edge rusher, some may say cornerback. Uh, wide receiver has obviously grown in, in importance lately with. Um, you know, this transition to more of a pass-heavy game. So you may ask five different people and get five different answers, but to me it always boils down to the trenches once you get past the quarterback position. So I'm a believer in building that, uh, you know, a strong offensive line and allowing that quarterback the time that he needs to distribute the football. So for me it's offensive tackle, and this year's class uh, is not necessarily the strongest that we've seen in recent years. But I think teams that are sitting there in the top 20 are going to be able to find some really good players that uh, could step into the position that really we lack a, a, you know, a standard of quality play across the NFL. I think there's a shortage of those type of guys. But for me, it's offensive tackle. I know if you, you know, ask several different people, you'll get different answers. Uh, let's go to another guy who is looked at as uh, undersized but certainly has uh, had a tremendous career. Um Clark Phillips out of the University of Utah, who was a you know first team uh, in consensus All American, you know across the board for the Utes, uh, but you know being five nine and one hundred eighty four pounds, that comes up like right off the bat. So where does he fit? Is he more of a corner? Is he a nickel guy? What position would he end up in? And where is he going to get drafted? Yeah, I think he plays bigger than his size, so that's going to allow him the possibility to play on the boundary a little bit more. But I think. He'll probably be, uh, you know, I think they'll probably slide him inside to the nickel position just because of traditional standards that the teams often have. Uh, and in today's NFL, that's a starting role. A lot of these teams that, you know, are facing wide receiver, you know, three set wider, three wide receiver sets are going to be putting three cornerbacks out on the field. So Clark Phillips, I think, has a role, even if you view him as a nickel. Um, now you wanted to see a little bit faster of a time for him at 184 pounds. You ran a four five one in the 40, um, you know, solid split, ten, uh, solid 10 yard split, 1.51 didn't test really explosive in the jumps, but I think you have to lean on what you saw from the tape and what you see on the tape is a really feisty player that plays bigger than his size. Like I said, so he's always in a position to make a play on the ball. Somebody that, um, you know, you can trust to be around the football at the next level. And I think that's just as valuable as some of these athletic testing that we see. I think a player that has that innate ability 
to be around the football is is way more important than somebody that can run a four three but doesn't necessarily have that feel for the game. Why is it that some teams just do a really good job of drafting players and other teams just can't seem to figure it out? Man, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, you look at teams like Baltimore that seem like they knock it out of the park every every year, and I think it's a matter of you know taking the value that is available to you, um, not reaching for certain positions. If you've got a need at a certain position, but maybe the value isn't there, stick to your board, take the best player available, and hope that it works out because that's why you pay these scouts at the end of the day to do all of this homework, to you know grade the tape, back these players up. You want to add quality football players to your roster at the end of the day. So I think the teams that have a process, that stick to their process, and they're also good at trading and making the most of the teams that maybe get a little bit too aggressive in search for certain positions, um, I think those are the teams that we often find a lot of success, the ones that don't panic but just have a process and stick to it. As we uh, kind of go through uh, some of these other players and, you know, when they make an impact in the league, who knows when it could be, when they're going to get their shot uh, and, you know, things of that nature, it all comes up. Um, but a guy that I think that we all saw make massive strides was uh, – uh, Blake Freeland out of BYU, who you know sets all these records at the combine, and again, it's another one of those things where you go, it's ma- it's a massively important deal that you have a great day at the combine. But what does his day at the combine actually translate into when it comes to draft stock, and where is he going to go in the, in the draft? I think he's going to get bumped up a little bit because of the potential that he that he showed in Indianapolis. But at the end of the day, he he does have issues with dropping anchor against stronger pass rushers. Um, he needs to be stronger at the point of attack, through his core, all of that kind of stuff. But you're looking at a player that has the size that is coveted from NFL teams, somebody that has the athleticism, obviously, because he was essentially at the top of every single category as far as athletic testing at the combine. Um, so he's got that potential to be something more, but you really need an experienced offensive line coach that's going to be able to work with him show him how to sink his hips into contact, you know, absorb some of that contact a little bit better um, and really redirect. Because I think once he has all of the tools to be successful, now he just needs a little bit more refining from uh, a coach to the next level to really maximize his potential. Tight end is another position that's uh, really um, been, you know, having has a greater value than it used to. And uh, Dalton Kincaid at Utah a lot of folks are talking about him as a first-round guy. Uh, where, where do you see Dalton Kincaid? I think he's a first-round caliber player. Um, you know, at the top of this, I said that it's kind of a volatile draft. Somebody may see somebody at 15 and somebody else may have him at 50. I think Kincaid is in that next group of players that, depending upon what you're looking for, is certainly a first-round caliber player because he's a really fluid athlete. He runs good routes. He's got soft hands. And in today's NFL, where it's so pass-heavy, you're looking for those dynamic playmakers that can, that can exploit um, some mismatches. You know, with the way that he moves, a lot of people compare him to Travis Kelsey with the way he moves, the way he catches the football, his ability to make plays after the catch. That's valuable in today's NFL. Not every pass catcher has to be a wide receiver. If you have somebody that has great size but, size, but also has that speed, the way that Kincaid has, 
Um, you're talking about a player that is really difficult to defend, and I think teams are going to look at him as a weapon in the pass game just as much as some of these top wide receivers in this class. And maybe that's why you see him go higher because we do not have the type of wide receivers at the top of this class that we're accustomed to having. So maybe that's an opportunity for Kincaid to kind of exploit a weaker market and be taken a little bit earlier than what we would see in most years. Josh Edwards, you can follow him on Twitter, EdwardsCBS, out of CBS Sports, and get your uh, draft coverage and uh, anything else when it comes to uh, the NFL coming up here at the end of uh, April. It's uh, quite an interesting time in these young men's lives, and so we're looking forward to it. Josh, thanks for your help, man. Awesome. Absolutely. Anytime. All right, there you go. We will uh, take the break here. I like hearing. I like hearing that those guys are going to have a shot. I like hearing that 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 uh, Jaron Hall still would have a shot. You know, I think a lot of folks kind of have him between a late round guy and not being drafted. But I've heard it all, right? I mean, I've heard guys on this station who go, you know, who are quote unquote draft experts that go, "Yeah, man, he's not going to get drafted. Uh, it might be a nice third quarterback addition for camp, you know, to see." But um, the the thing that I did see with him was a lot of folks go, "This is this guy is definitely." Uh, an NFL quarterback caliber guy, and if it's going to be a backup role for a minute, then uh, then do it and see what you can do and see and just prove yourself. Um, but yeah, awesome stuff. I love that these guys are going to just have their lives turned over uh, for the positive in the next few weeks. It's just a really fun time. It was a fun draft day for you, wasn't it, Scott? Sure, I got drafted. <laughs> what did you guys eat? What was the food Hated that was served? Draft. Was it the pie served at your no. uh, draft party? No, <laughs> no, it was uh, ice cream from the creamery. Hey guys, we're about a we're about a month and a half away from Scott uh, being super grumpy for no for no reason in particular on draft night, except for just remembering the PTSD that he got from uh, not being drafted in the first couple of rounds. So fourth round, oh boo hoo, the fourth round sounds terrible. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, we'll take the break. We'll come back. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keering. With the access and insight on the teams you're passionate about. I love it, baby. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We're going to have a 911 situation. <laughs> no, we're not. In our studio here. You, Alex is like cleaning his nose with <laughs> okay, Clorox. Hold on. I just had wipes. Okay. Hold on. Let me explain myself. Okay, you've heard of like these kids in Tide Pods and things like that. No, where they, oh, that's not yeah, this. Like ingesting chemicals, Alex, is not a good thing. Okay, I, okay. You're a grown man. Listen to me just tell what happened. We're about to go on the air. I have to blow my nose terribly bad. And the. Do you remember the old. You remember that old milk commercial, that old get, Got Milk commercial, where the guy works in the museum that commemorates Alexander Hamilton and uh, and Aaron Burr's uh, shooting, you know, duel. Their, their duel? And it's a phone call to a radio station, but he has a whole peanut butter sandwich he just jams in his mouth right before, and he tries to call the guy, and they don't, and they can't understand him. And he's desperate, and he's looking for milk, and there's nothing around, 
That was me just now looking for a Kleenex right before we go on the air because I was desperate to blow my nose because I freaking have to talk for a living, Scott. So the only thing we had in here were these bleach-free, okay? Sure they are. Clorox disinfecting wipes. Anything with Clorox in it, it's going to have chemicals. 75 pre-moistened wet, uh, wipes. I just yeah, used I mean, one just of get, those 75. Get the emergency button ready in Listen, case Alex that's a good passes smell, out on me. I here. had to blow my nose with a wet wipe, with a Clorox wipe. <laughs> <laughs> Not a wet wipe, a Clorox disinfecting like surface Alex wipe. Alex wiped his nose with a dirty wet wipe. No, it wasn't dirty. I got it out of the can here. Boom. Look, that might explain a lot about our show and, and missing brain cells, et cetera. It's fine. I'll deal with it. Uh I just I think you should be excited that I'm that I have I'm resourceful. That probably cleaned you out for in sure. In a pinch. I could have asked you for a piece of notebook paper out of your I'd be uh, happy to give you one. <laughs> uh where were we? Hey, it's Ask Scott Anything, which is which is a time of the week that I get to dip into and look, if you want to add us on uh, Twitter, you can uh you can throw a question out to Scott Mitchell, Alex Curie. Uh at Alex Curie KSL is how you uh can tweet at me and then we'll just read those on the air whatever you can also hit us with an email uh a Keery at ksl.com or s mitchell at ksl.com so that you can ask. so let me dip into this one here scott because i was thinking about this oh by the way ask scott anything brought to you by mountain land supply locations throughout utah all of your truck outfitting needs power equipment snow plows motor rewinding etc they can uh, they can hook you up. Check them out today, mountainlandsupply.com. That's mountainlandsupply.com. So I, we have a question in here, a couple of them that are in there, but I have other ones, okay? Okay. I was thinking about what the pressure is that these players have. I was thinking about John Morant's situation. Okay. Because everybody keeps talking about, yeah, the, the amount of pressure these young men are, are under, especially a guy like him who's, you know, just uh, a superstar in the making, if not already – and and they said, well, that's that's the kind of the excuse for the bad behavior. And I've been surprised before, but I want to ask you: Were guys like were was partying at any hours of the night? Like, was that really a thing? Because I think about that that uh, Bengals team that went to the Super Bowl and they were partying the night before. Right, got some guys uh, you know off the field for that very huge game. But like, what were the level of guys like? breaking out of, like, curfew or whatever because they had these vices that were just part of what their life was and that lifestyle as a as a professional athlete in the NFL. So uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a long discussion, but let me see how I can do it that makes sense. So part of, part of the way people deal with things and the pressure of things is some guys are like, man, I got to go out, blow off steam, whatever I do. They're also young. And they also have a lot of money. Uh, they have a lot of time on their hands. A lot of them aren't married or, you know, single. And so they want to go out and have a good time and, you know, explore all the vices that they possibly can figure out they have. And that's what a lot of guys do. And and a lot of them, it works for them. You know, early on in my career, I know there were guys that they go, they go out every night. And they'd get to Thursday, and they go, okay, you can't go out after Thursday, can't drink after Thursday, uh, so we can be ready for the game. Now, I know other people who had very long careers in the NFL, Hall of Fame careers, uh, went to four Super Bowls, lost them four in a row, but had amazing careers and a lot of times played, not not hungover, but drunk. 
Um, Drunk during the games. Yeah, for years. And, but and played, at some point that became but, part of what their game but was. But played like. at a high level, right? And you, you look at how some players – so so the pressure of performing does funny things to people. So there's the one thing, hey, we're going to go out and have a good time, blow off some steam So because we're in such a pressure-filled uh, work environment. Uh, performing live in front of millions of people is a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. and people feel it. So you have some people, you take a guy like Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's like, I'm going to be so prepared that when I go out and perform, you know, nothing's going to surprise me. And there are other people who go, I don't have the brain capacity to be that prepared. But there are some people that are true showmen that just go, you know, just watch what I do today. And I think those are kind of some of the people like Michael Jordan. Wild. Who, who mega competitive, couldn't wait to get on the court. And was just going to show you something miraculous. And it was kind of, you know, his way of dealing with things. And I, I guess what I'm saying is people deal with it in different ways. So you are you have people that are young and they're trying to just have a good time, but they're also trying to kind of alleviate some of the pressure, take some of the pressure. I mean, you, you, take, a, you take a mom, a young mom who has a whole bunch of kids, and those kids, I mean, you have a... You have a wife. You have you have a whole bunch of kids. I have a at clutch home. of children. Yeah, and and it can get crazy at times. It can get overwhelming at, at times. times. Well, like like every like day, all the time, like yeah. every single day, and that's a hard thing in in your life to deal with. So how do you deal with it? You know, you find ways to get breaks. You find ways to to manage it. You find ways to you know to to cope with and 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 yet still be able to function at a high a high level and not you know not like go crazy over your kids and and having a, a job any pressure we have in our lives just learning the balance and how to deal with it how to manage it is is quite a trick so how does a guy like John ja Morant who probably this isn't his first rodeo in terms of partying the night before games or night after games you know they're on the road blah 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 like that becomes kind of part of what your routine is almost uh, so how do you how do you if you are John ja Morant if you could give him advice, what would you tell him? Like you get to sit down in the room with him and say, "Hey, man, let's go over what happened and how we can avoid it, or whatever." Like, how? Yeah. What do you tell him? What's think, the advice you give him? I think someone. I think professional basketball players, professional baseball players. I think they have it really hard because they're on the road a lot, mm-hmm. and their games are only a couple of out. You know, and, and yet they're still. You know, you look at this jazz road trip. I mean, they're going to be out for fourteen days, and they're only playing what six games. So you you know you've got how do you how do you, you got all yourself? that other time to, yeah you know and you're in Oklahoma City for three or four days of that you know that time and there's a lot of downtime so how do how do you manage how do you deal with it and and a lot of these players you know to kind of say well what would you do what what's your advice to to someone like that it's like you know it's 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 a question of um, what do you you know what do you really want to accomplish in your life and I think I think so much of it is you know, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, look at look at your life 10 years down the road uh, because this is not something that's going to last forever. And how, how can you efficiently, uh, you know, take advantage of this really, really special opportunity, you know, you have in your life? I mean, it's, it's, it's really a challenge. Here's a crazy part about it, too. When I started coaching high school football, someone told me, look, men's brains don't fully develop till they're like 25. So they're going to do a lot of dumb things that are unexplainable. <laughs> and I just, 
you know, when I saw that as a coach, I just said, well, your brain's not fully developed. Now, I don't know if that's scientifically accurate or not, but it sure helped me understand a lot of really stupid things I saw. And the same thing, I mean, John Morant, he's, I don't even think he's 25 years old. Right. Yet. So he's super young, you know, and a lot of times you just have to go through these experiences to realize it's a, it's a good wake up call and you need more balance and you need, it's, it's, I believe with jaw, it's more the people he's surrounded with and, and who he wants in his life. It's a little bit that, uh, that traveling circus that these guys are in, you know, where it's just like, Hey, hit the road and entertain us. Right. And I know it comes with a lot of It's hard of to pressure. know who your friends are. That, I mean, it, that is well said. You have a lot of money. It's hard to know who really has got your back. And usually it's not very many people. It's interesting because I've heard you tell me stories, you know, off the air about people who along the way. Who you should trust. And don't. And, and you, you should up, be able to count on them. And yeah. Ends that's up, freaking sad, man. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Before we do, guess what? Real Salt Lake, their home opener is this Saturday night. Did you know that VKSL Sports Zone is the home of Real Salt Lake and the uh, Real Radio Network here in town? And so they're facing off against Austin FC. That's who they lost in the playoffs, I think, last season. So you can hear it right here on VKSL Sports Zone. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30. Uh, and then you're going to get your uh, – that match starts up at 7.30. So tune into it all right here. Very excited to have that partnership with Real Salt Lake and uh, DJ calling those games. It's awesome to have here on our airwaves. We will take the break. Traffic coming up. You're going to get that traffic report, get you home safely. More to go around the corner, 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. I love it, baby. Presented baby, baby, by G2G Bars. This is 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. I just had a friend text me. He's like, dude, I'm going to Wendover for the first time. <laughs> I've been to Wendover one time. It was 20, I'd say 21 years ago. No, 20, 20 years ago, 20, either way, over 20 years ago on one of the weirdest New Year's Eve nights that I've ever had in my life. Yeah, that's the making of a movie. Oh my gosh, it was. It Weekend was, in uh, Wendover. Well, listen, driving out there on I-80 during the winter. It looked like, first of all, we barely got there because it looked like uh, Star Wars, yeah. uh, you know, with all that snow flying at us. Like, it, you get hypnotized in the snowstorm like that, you know? Right. Like, I got to pull over. I don't know what's going on here. But, oh, my gosh. Well, it was fast ascending, though. That happened out in Wendover. It did. True story. Uh, it's a great movie. Anthony Hopkins. Fantastic yep. job on that thing. Burt Monroe. So, yeah. Good luck out, out there in Wendover, dude. My guy. Hopefully everything hits for you on that sports book or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth the drive out there, dude. All right. Um, so spring, of course, is upon us with the football season. And uh, BYU's given us the – they've fired everything up. And so we're getting sound out of Provo and kind of rolling it out for you this week as much as we can get it. So uh, let's do that right now before we get to David Locke next hour. And – it's an interesting time for Kalani Satake as a coach. It's I think it's an interesting crossroads. This happened in 2017 after he let uh, you know Ty Detmer go and, and a couple of his friends. He had to do the same thing this time on the defensive side of the football, where he let go basically family members, you know, guys who are very very close. And it must have been very difficult. But they're trying to figure out a way 
to make that next step. And Kalani, I think, can do it. He proved that he did it back then, and I think he needed a refresher with this one. Um, speaking of a refresher and speaking of new people walking into the program, everybody wants to know about Keaton Slovis. Everybody wants to know about your, your quarterback. Here's what Kalani, the head coach, actually said uh, about the quarterback room and the competition that's going on in that thing. And it's a long list of guys for the quarterback, but obviously, or there could be quarterback, but obviously Keaton Slovis is that guy right now. Here's what Kalani said. Quarterbacks are way further ahead than I expected. I mean, there are obviously some mistakes out there, but not not by them, really. I think some of the mistakes that they had were just being aggressive on some throws and, and trying to force it rather than take the what's, what's, what's easier, you know. But I think they're highly competitive, and they get into the – into the mix of things with the defense and they want to punish them by going deep or, or maybe just not taking what's easy and what's what's there, what's given. I thought all the quarterbacks looked really good, so uh, no complaints there with the QB. There's a lot of talent in that room. Wow. Punish the defense. Punish the defense. Throw it deep. He's you all, get hey, the ball again, throw it deep that's, again. That's interesting, you know, like go in there and go, this is a game for me, Jay Hill. Like the game is I'm going to try to embarrass you from day one, man. Let's let's get let's get a rod you know, versus it's the, you it's one offense of the dumbest v things, defense. I love it. One of the dumbest things that happens in all sports because you have to practice against yourself. All these coaches are competitive, and that's that's something that will never end. They're always trying to embarrass each other. Always trying to make the other <laughs> team look bad. I remember when I was at Utah, they they claimed that our offense scored too fast, and it made our look our defense look bad. And, and really, the defense wow, is just that not is very uh, good. that was that's an interesting. Yeah. We're always on the field. You guys just score too fast. Yeah. That no one, <laughs> no one believes you, dude. And you go out there and you go, gosh, we just scored again. Put your helmet back on. Defense. It's not like a turnover. It's like it's a turnover on downs. It's like this is the whack turnover on this scores. Is, this is the whack conference. <laughs> we score points in the whack. That's what we do. I'm trying to figure out what do you think the highest scoring game was between the two teams that you play like. In the game that you threw for 600 and something yards, did you guys lose that game? Yeah, it was like 48 to 45. Mm. Two, two games. Air Force? Yeah. Two games in the in the 40s. That's that's a typical whack score. Yeah, two teams in the 40s. Yeah, and, and then if you, you get it, you get a very upset Lavelle Edwards. I might uh, put, he might put a 70 spot he's on He's going to go 70 35. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be his they score. Hung, I think they hung 80 on UTEP one year. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. That's, that's a, what I love about Lavelle is he was a nice guy, but he was very competitive. Now let's hear what A-Rod has to say about his quarterback. This is what he said about for day one and uh, just what he's seen from him so far. Yeah, he looked good. Made a couple of big plays and a couple of long foul balls that were you know were close, but he made good decisions. I thought he t- took really good care of the ball, and uh, he looks like he's been in our system for a while. Yeah. Way too, many, like, way too many positive things being said out of no. pro right now. I want some. We look like garbage. The quarterbacks were awful. They need to get better. Instead, Kalani goes, I'm, they're way ahead of schedule. When you say that, and when A-Rod goes, they look way better than I thought they were going to, you're setting me up, man. You're setting me way, up way too much here. Well, you talk about long foul balls. Yeah, There's not a longer fouler ball than the one that uh, Trent Dilfer threw in the Super Bowl <laughs> <laughs> against the New. I can't get I'm over that throw. Still, it. it's just so bad. Uh, it was but, a Super Bowl. Uh, this guy was a professional quarterback, and he threw it out of bounds by about ten yards to a man to a that wide was open wide guy. open. There was it, like his defender fell down within five yards of the line of scrimmage. He's walk. He could walk into the end zone, and Dilfer misses him seven yards out of bounds. That's when you're way overcoached. Drop back five steps. Chuck it up there and throw it out of bounds. Bad. Mm. I just tw- I just uh, googled 
Trent Dilfer, terrible throw. It came right up. <laughs> and, and it came up. Not just that. It was Trent Dilfer has the two worst throws in NFL history. <laughs> My heavens. All right. How in It's time to get the inside scoop on the Utah Jazz. From the play-by-play voice of the Jazz, David Locke. Sweet revenge. Presented by Murdoch Auto Group. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome on in, everybody. It is Unrivaled 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery, Scott Mitchell, and the voice of the Utah Jazz, as you just heard, David Locke. Locke, what's going on, man? We're halfway through this uh, roadie. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm in Orlando. I'm in a hammock by the side of some lake looking at some super beautiful water feature in the middle of the lake and if it gets too windy let me know well but how's the underwear situation still get on underwear you, you, you're I'm running wearing low. my shorts that have liners inside there them. you go that's, <laughs> a, that's a, good a solution spot. right there we've gotten to a good spot uh lock with the with, <laughs> no you keep going i want to hear whatever the next part is here too no, no okay. I, I break my i break my clothes out by city oh. when i pack does that make sense Sure. Yeah. So like yeah. Each city's in a each city's in a packing tube. So um there are no leftovers yet. Which okay. is concerning. Well well uh oh something tells me that at the hotels that you stay at there might be some services there, but you know, there you go. I have wool light. I have wool light with me. Good, good for you. Um so this jazz team now on a three game road losing streak, four games overall. Um doesn't help to have so many guys missing for various reasons. Not having three starters last night didn't seem to hamper the Jazz too much. You have to just look at how everything is kind of overall. Chris Dunn's performance so far has been really good. What's your estimation of him so far? You know, we talk a lot about all the big big time scores, but what has he meant to Will Hardy just in the last stretch of about six games here? So this man was the fifth pick of the draft. You know, maybe that was a mistake by Minnesota. I mean, well, it was unquestionably a mistake because if I can't remember who was drafted like six or seven in that draft, but that was a mistake because there's somebody who was drafted right after him that was actually great. Um, I'm spacing on who it is. But, I mean, so this guy... Well, Larry Markkinen was one of them, by the way. He was two picks after him. No, I don't think so. I think the next year. Oh, that was next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, was twenty. Yeah, because he gets... Because Chris Dunn gets traded with Larry Markkinen from Minnesota yeah, to yeah, Chicago. Yep. Um, so, um, you know, I think when you... What, you see, so you you're not the fifth pick of the draft unless you have all the physical tools and you have a game that makes people believe you can be really good. Now something happens along the way, and in his case, he couldn't shoot it well, and or he never develops the shot, and so that really precludes him from being able to expand his career. And then he ends up kind of on the treadmill, of bouncing from team to team. And I think COVID had an impact on him. And next thing you know, he's kind of out of the league. Um, really stunningly fast, by the way, I would point out. Um, but so, you know, he's got all the tools. So we see once or twice a night where those deep, that defensive prowess kicks in and gets a steal and he's gutsy. And then he sees the game and feels the game really pretty well. And I think we're seeing, I, if I'm honest, I don't, you know, he played in the Eastern Conference and he, and he hasn't played in a little while. So I don't remember his game particularly well, other than kind of, he was long and good defensively and he couldn't shoot, um, up to NBR, NBA average. And so that's all I really remembered. But I would say I'm watching him, and he seems to have developed this kind of in-between game and is scoring in the floater zone 
at a absurdly high rate right now. It's not sustainable. I think he's about 64% on that shot. So that's a little misleading, but he just seems to maybe he's, you know, maybe going down to the being out of the league, playing in the G league. And then, you know, realizing this is, I've got to figure out how I'm going to survive. He may have made that stride. And, you know, is he a backup point guard? I I don't know. Um, Honestly, if you really, in this day and age in this league, if you don't really, you know, rip the cords from the outside, it's super hard to play. But is he a third guard, like the Jazz, a third point guard, where the Jazz might decide that, you know, we're willing to, to pay him for a year or two, you know, get him and sign him up. I mean, I, I would assume at this point we'll probably sign him for the rest of the year. I can't actually imagine us functioning without him. Um, so we'll see. I don't know that for a fact, but it's just, you know, he's played really well. He's playing 26 minutes a night, and he's on a second Saturday contract, so that does expire, and then you have to sign him for the rest of the year. And we have an open roster spot, so all of those things lead you to believe we would do that. But the real question is the Jazz have part of their what's called mid-level exception in their salary cap. So they could actually try to strike a deal with him where they give him a little bit more money than the minimum the rest of the way and sign him to a deal for next year and maybe even the year after that if they believe he's shown them enough progress that he they think he's a decent backup or third point guard. Not many teams are carrying third point guards anymore. That seems to be kind of a position that's gone by the wayside with two-way players, so that makes it a little more difficult. Uh, one of the really pleasant surprises of this season is the emergence of Laurie Markkinen as an all-star, um, and you know he's just he's just been tremendous, uh, you know, all year. Where where does his game go from here, and where where does his game need to go uh, in the future? So I'm seeing signs of. I got to share a funny story. Last night we came back from the game. We stayed in Dallas last night and flew today, and so I was we went I went out to a restaurant and then Thurl and. So I happened to go to the same restaurant, so I moved over and sat with them. They allowed me to do so. And kind to of. our right was Lowry. It was kind of on a you know, communal table. To our right was Lowry. And the jazz highlights came on from the game on SportsCenter, on the TV in the restaurant. And it was funny. I'm not sure I've ever been with a player watching their own highlights before. That's cool. I would imagine with his uh, Finnish background, he was up and just cheering and pointing yeah, at the TV. Right. right. He had a pretty big monster dunk last night. Yes. So that like that got everyone's attention. Like we were all watching to see his reaction on that. And then he had a beautiful spin move in the lane, and he's like, "Well, my spin move doesn't even make it." Like it was pretty funny. Um, it was funny just to see him kind of watch himself on television. I. I I feel like I should have had that experience at some point in my career. Like I've done this for a really long time, but maybe I haven't because it sure didn't feel like I watched a game. Like I've rewatched a game with a player before, but not like where we're in a setting like that and he's on the television. So that was kind of cool. I think I'm seeing little signs from Lowry of improvement. In fact, that's what I'm going to ask Will to open the press conference tomorrow. Where are areas that Lowry has improved throughout this season? One of the things I saw a bunch last night was just a much lower dribble. Like earlier in the year when he came across the lane with a high dribble, there was like a key play late in the game where we gave him the ball and I showed him. I should think he turned it over, but I think he got kicked out of bounds and we had to rerun another play. It's the play. He then misses a fadeaway on the next play late in the game. Um, like he's just seven feet. So trying to dribble in traffic is an area that's hard for him because and I thought I saw him crouched lower last night with a lower dribble and working and using his body a little bit better to shield him on the play where Kyrie Irving fouled him up top right. If people watch the game, 
that's that's one where I'm thinking of where I saw him very clearly kind of had the ball further away from the defender. So I think we're seeing some ball handling skills from him. And then I think we're seeing more powerful drives to the basket from him than we've seen before. I think he's got a better understanding of how to use his size and strength than he did earlier in his career. Like when he gets a smaller guy on him, he's just killing him right now. I mean, he's just murdering him. Um, and so I think we're seeing that. Like Kyrie got switched on him two times last night and he annihilated him. Um, so I think there are a bunch of areas where we're seeing Lowry right before our eyes develop a new aspect of being, you know, a star. Uh, Ron Hood and I had an interesting discussion today on the plane of whether he's a star or a superstar. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of the next question. I still have him as just a star. Like when I watch Nicola or Luca or maybe even Kyrie or Giannis or Joel and Jason Tatum, which I think to me are the superstars. Don's playing pretty close. They got the best differential in the league. But I don't think Don's quite a superstar either. I think he's a star. Like I've got six superstars in the league. I might be forgetting someone. Somebody might want to, like if I'm forgetting someone, let me know. Like I don't think he's in that group yet. Like I think, and then you, know, you have Don and Shea. Kevin Durant, thank you. Yes, absolutely. And Devin Booker's awfully close to being a superstar, frankly. Um and so I don't know if I think he's in that group yet. And then my next tier is Don, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and that whole collection of players who are equally as awesome. And they're probably, you know, those guys are awfully close. And is Lowry in that group? I mean, I think we're getting awfully close to having to put Lowry in that group. Uh, Locke, one of the things that we've been watching, too, with this team is, is just Will Hardy gets thrown, you know, what the injury report looks like, you know, illnesses, things like that. With no Walker Kessler in the game, what are the what are the Jazz like? Where do they go from there? I mean, and and uh, and what's his status for uh, the Orlando game? Is it just kind of a short lived illness that he had? Um, he is still sick, but I don't know. We don't shoot around tomorrow, so I don't think we'll know until right up the game time. Mm. Um, I didn't. Now I think about it. I didn't see him today. Now we travel on different buses, and they sit on the front of the plane, and we sit back, and so. That's not, like, unusual that I didn't see him today, actually, just kind of the way it works on a non-game day travel where we actually get, if I don't ride down the elevator with him or see him as we're all getting on the bus at the same time, then you actually would, you might not, you wouldn't see him. So that's not, that un, wasn't unusual. I just was commenting on it. Okay, I'll stop now. Um, <laughs> the I thought the takeaway last night was super interesting was I thought Lowry, and I've always thought this this year, Lowry was really good as a backup center last night. Kelly Olenek was really good too. But Lowry had some plays protecting the rim last night that were outstanding. And then Damian Jones out in space defending on the floor. Who knew? Right. I didn't. His career is really funky, by the way. Like, I don't think he's – do you guys have basketball reference in front of you? I do, actually, just because I know you always ask me. Pull up. Pull up basketball reference, Damian Jones, if you know how to use if you're like this. Sorry, I'm sure it's on my head because, you know, I'm sitting by the river looking at the water feature. <laughs> and um, go to Damian Jones' down. Sacramento game log and check out his last, like, now I do believe that, like, late April numbers mean nothing, but go look at his last eight, 15 games in Sacramento. Uh, um, okay. But here's why, here's why Damian Jones is super interesting. So he's the 30th pick of the first round. If you read his scouting report out of college, like, okay, there's all sorts of limitations, and there's reasons why he's about a top-ten pick. Like, 
Okay, so he's a 30th pick of the draft. Like, he's a first-round talent. He's not brilliant, but he's a 30th pick. He goes to the Warriors while they're winning championships. You just never get to play, right? Yep. Like, that's the worst spot you can be drafted as a rookie is a championship-caliber team. You get the exposure, but you don't get to play. So he goes there for three years and never plays. That's got to blast your zest of the game a little bit. From there, he signs with Atlanta. What's interesting to me about that is Travis Schlenk, the then GM in Atlanta, was the assistant GM in Golden State. So whatever in the three years in Golden State he didn't play, Travis Schlenk, who was in Golden State in that time period, still liked him enough to go sign him. Follow that? Like, I think that's important. And he he doesn't work in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. He doesn't work in Atlanta. And he ends up in Phoenix. He gets just kind of seemingly lost in the shuffle in Phoenix. He's on 10-day. Oh, no, he goes to the Lakers on two 10-day contracts. But we're now into the COVID year. Right, this is now the COVID year, so it's a disaster. Teams are shipping players in, like players you've never heard of. More players play, right? He used two 10-day contracts with Lakers. Then he goes to two 10-day contracts with Phoenix. He gets kind of lost in the shuffle. And then he signs with Sacramento. And I think he spends two years in Sacramento. He does. Gets a li- little bit of time. Oh, no, he signs. No, no, he takes another 10-day contract in Sacramento, and they sign him almost immediately at the right. end of the season. Mm-hmm. You go look at the date. And he goes and spends the year in Sacramento, and he closes the year last year in Sacramento. Do you have that up, Alex? I do. And it's uh, – so his last uh, – how many games did you want then? I mean, that's like nine, nine, ten games. That's exactly right. So between that 72nd and 80 and uh, 80th – or 82nd game of the season, he went uh, 15, 24, 19, 19, 22, 12, 19. And so – and that was well beyond anything that he had done earlier in the year. He had one other 20-point game. Uh, you know, 20 games into the season. But his last – that last stretch right there was uh, pretty insane. Okay. So, on July 1, the first day of free agency, the Lakers sign him. Because they saw The something. Lakers don't have money. They go – they don't have money, so they're trying to find guys that aren't going to be big. And they, and they go and get Damian Jones on July 1. Like, he was their target. Sure. Understanding they didn't have money, but that was their – he was their primary target. So, like, he's got this funky career where, like, the first three years are lost. I don't know why it doesn't work in Atlanta. That makes sense. He starts getting bounced around. It actually works pretty well in Sacramento by the end. He goes to the Lakers, and then I'm not entirely sure why, like, it doesn't totally work in L.A. this year. And then they trade – like, I think when they, you know, they, Thomas Bryant gets a bunch of time and they've got, you know, AD, obviously AD. And, like, it's just, you know, whatever reason, he just doesn't click in in L.A. So he's not perfect, and I'm not trying to say he's a star, but I also feel like he's still kind of untapped. Like, there are just careers in the NBA that never get started, and I feel like that's where his is right now. And I don't – obviously, if he was – unbelievable he would start his career right like if you're great your career starts like right like you know and nfl quarterbacks we can think of plenty of them who like you know oh well they were great so they actually broke through so he's not great but he i think he might be much more viable than his career has said he is up to this point and i was really impressed with the skill set last night so how valuable then is this last part of the season i mean can you can you find a guy like that uh with the games left and with the with the opportunities they're presented, uh, you know, I mean, Chris Dunn is clearly a guy that maybe, you know, maybe you can see enough to where you go, yeah, this guy. I mean, do they do they have enough time to really 
uh, build up a body of work that the Jazz go, yeah, we've got enough confidence that we think we can work with this and, and they can be an asset that we can build on in the future? Or is it just getting I mean, through super, the end of the season? No, it's no, it's super important. It's twenty percent of the season, basically, right? Like it's still twenty. It's seventeen games. Like yeah. it's okay. So it's you know it's eight sixteen percent at this point. But it's really important. Ochai Abaji goes two for eleven last night. Okay, how do you bounce back? Right? Like Will Hardy has told you, I want you to do more. I want you to try to do more. I want you to drive more. I want you to try to make plays. I want you to take the burden, and I and I want you to fail, and then I want you to be okay with failing. So how does he react to two for 11? I think that's really interesting. Kalen Horton, Tucker, has never played minutes like this in his life as a point guard trying to make these decisions. And I don't think there's any chance he possibly figures it all out in the next 17 games, but he might be better, right? Like it's a really, like that's, you're going from zero to 60 on this with a chance to play these minutes. So I think that's really important. Like I think Walker's got to finish out the season and learn what he can continue to do. So I think these are really, really important. I thought last night was like, First of all, highly entertaining game, and, you know, we lost to Luka and Kyrie. Like, oh, well, Kyrie was the first pick of the draft, and Luka is the third pick of the draft, and these guys are really great, and they've done this a lot of times in really big moments, and Taylor Horton Tucker was, like, bringing the ball to the floor for us with Ochai Abaji, who's never done it in their lives. So is it surprising that one team, like, hit four out of five shots and the other team hit two out of five? No. Is that a bad thing? Not really. And the fact is it was an incredible kind of – and now let me say this, okay? Let's let's also say this. Uh, Chris Dunn didn't look great against Oklahoma City. Taylor Horton Tucker didn't look great against Oklahoma City. And Damon yeah. Jones didn't look great. You know why? Because Oklahoma City plays hard and plays defense, and Dallas doesn't. They do not defend well. So, yeah. yeah. Right. So Dallas is just kind of there. They're not taking your space. They're not getting into you. They're not bothering you. They're not difficult to play. So maybe what you learned last night was, okay, in those settings, Chris Dunn, Damian Jones, Taylor Horton Tucker can be really successful. How same guys suddenly had to make decisions against a swarming, aggressive, long, tenacious Oklahoma City defense. We committed 27 turnovers. Right? So maybe there's a limit where they are right now, and then you got to work to see if you can get them past that limit. So I think you also have to be, like, it's worth noting on Chris Dunn, and I'm not trying to be critical, but his best game so far have come against Dallas and San Antonio. Two horrendous defensive teams. So, like, what is your... Oh, boy. David, you still there? I am. Oh, there you go. Go ahead. We just lost you for the last four and a half uh, seconds here. I don't know. Uh, I just was saying, like, um, you know, Chris Dunn's best games have come against bad defensive teams. San Antonio and Dallas. Right. And he and wasn't as good against Oklahoma City. Yeah. So I think that matters. You have to see who also the opponents are in all these matchups. David Locke, he's got the call, uh, of course, in Orlando tomorrow. That's where he is, by the way, in a hammock uh, by a water feature in Orlando. Just picture him there as we get ready for this. Do you, uh, need, me to, do you need me to send you pictures? I, I listen, love, like love I, pictures, yeah, of course. Send them. And if you want to add David with some uh, – on Twitter with some uh, food recommendations. Scott, of course, was a former Orlando resident. He could probably point you in the right direction there as well. So, where do I where do I eat here? And I actually, though we're out at like this complex, and there's nothing around us. Yeah. That's okay. Scott will always Scott walking. will always have thoughts on food in the, in the yeah, Orlando don't eat area. near Disney World. It's, it's all tourist <laughs> no. traffic. I found uh, bone, some Korean bone, kitchen. Bonefish is I found some Korean good. kitchen on Yelp. Oh, bone, bonefish. Bonefish okay, is that's, really that's good. Nears. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you. Yeah. There you go. A little uh, recommendation from. Uh, from a guy who used to live uh, across the water from uh, Tiger Woods. Why? So, yeah. When did you live in Orlando? Um, 
I don't know, 2000. Well, I, I played in the World League there in 1992 and fell in love uh, with okay. it. And so, some okay. ama- amazing lakes well, out near Disney World. Yeah, a lot of guys fell in love with yeah. this place. I have not. Tiger, I've Shaquille seen. O'Neal, they were all my my neighbors. Well, yeah, then. if you're staying downtown, like if you're play, like downtown Orlando is not the place. No, to no, be. no. Like, no. <laughs> no, right. I have, right. I haven't. I haven't really understood this place yet. But no, I, I'll, no. Con- I'll continue to try to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to send you the picture, but I have no battery left. So. Okay. Don't don't worry um, about it. We'll. Uh, oh wait, we'll I think it, it just went through. I sent it to your. I sent it to your esteemed producer. There you go. All right, Jeremy's going to pick it up and then he'll uh, forward it to us. And then, uh, yeah. and then we'll we'll at you in there as well, David. Uh, have a have a good rest of the road trip here, uh, Orlando tonight, and then you hit the road again. And it's just like it's such a wild schedule over the next little while for this Jazz team. And then they come home, and then they face even more insane uh, uh, challenges at home as well, just right around the corner. So Magic, Hornets, Heat, and then back at home for the Celtics, Kings, Trailblazers, and Bucks. So that's going to be a fun stretch. Thanks for hanging out, David. Loving it. Talk to you soon. All right, we'll see you. There you go, David Locke, voice of Utah Jazz. I like that he's uh, comfortable enough to tell us his uh, underwear situation. Yeah, well, you keep asking him about it, so well, you guys got it going on. It's a long road trip. I All mean, right. you got to deal with those things. Uh, so <laughs> you got some tickets? Maybe we, we do have some to, tickets. We got some tickets get. away. Your home for the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. It's not so high. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It is the final segment of the hour here, or the show for us, so we're... Hoping to uh, work our ways, work our way into Thursday, just like you are, just humming along here this week. Uh, final segment of the program, Scott. I saw this and I went, "Oh boy, here we go." First of all, odds makers they their whole thing is to try to bait you into betting, right? Isn't that the kind of the isn't that kind of the deal? Jer- Jeremy's the uh, the degenerate gambler here, and before I even finished that se- that sentence, he was already nodding very uh, hastily. So you need help, that's why. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> so the. the New York Jets are already 10th best odds for the Super Bowl, which, whatever. Okay. Why not? Because there's like a lot of people in New York. There and are they, a lot of people And, and there are a lot of Jets fans that are just hoping. Just please. They're just, and so they're, they're desperate. They're They're desperate. Yes. And they're just like. Well, so they're 10th best odds, but they have just in the last little while, because of the Aaron Rodgers rumors. Well, he went and visited. They visited him. Yeah. Someone visited someone. Yeah. They're up to sixth now on the uh, on the odds Ooh, for the Super Bowl. It's about right. Will you freaking calm down? Like the thing is, just getting a quarterback in there to take you from tenth to sixth best odds. I don't know. Let's say Aaron Rodgers is the Jets. Are they suddenly AFC East champions? Are they suddenly contenders for the NF- for the AFC title? They have parts on offense. They really and and like um, I think what people think they go the Jets defense is pretty stellar. And locking folks down, right? And if they just had any kind of production on offense, any consistency right. on offense, but there are weapons. They have weapons, and and Aaron Rodgers knows knows how to use weapons. Okay, here are the teams that have better odds than the uh, than the Jets. The only the teams that have better odds than the Jets are the Chiefs, the Forty ers Bills, Eagles, and Bengals. All teams 
But you know the Jets <laughs> with the right quarterback. That you would situa- actually think would be super sure, of course. Yeah. But the Jets with the right uh, quarterback situation, they can start becoming a team like Buffalo. They can start becoming a team like uh, the Bengals. That they're they're not that far off. So yeah, I can I could see the, a lot of good pieces are in place there with the Jets. All right, for Scott, I'm Alex. Jeremy hitting the buttons across the glass. We'll be back again tomorrow on a short version of the program to get you ready for the Jazz Orlando Magic. We'll see you then, everybody. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately... We're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.